So welcome to the latest edition of the LFC Delaware podcast. Uh, we are joined today, delighted to be joined today by NABS uh, from the official Liverpool Supporters Club in Oman and probably a few other supporters clubs along the way, which you'll learn about. Um, it was very natural that he would come to us next, given he's been on LFC TV and the Anfield Wrap in the last couple of weeks. Seems a, you know, of course, where else, where else would you come? Uh, also, uh, no Charlie today, but Sean and Tim are here with me. And we are going to talk uh, about, Nabs is going to share some of his story. Uh, we're going to talk about supporters club in Oman and maybe some other supporters clubs. And then as usual, we'll finish up with some kind of current topics that are doing the rounds. I'm sure we'll mention uh, the kit. Uh, still waiting for mine. If people from podcasts are getting them for free, by the way, just uh, any Nike representatives out there. Uh, and then we'll close with our most interesting thing you saw about Liverpool this week. Some very interesting things have been happening. So a um, couple of announcements though first. Um, who's going to talk about membership? I guess well, you do, Tim. Do you want to? Because I, yeah, I don't know what I, I don't know what to say about membership. So, so membership is open for both uh, the official Liverpool Supporters Club of Delaware, um, which you can contact Paul or the email address. I guess there's a mail upcoming. Yeah, there'll be a link every on social media. So. Okay, very good. Our, our website will have it eventually, but our website is not quite ready yet. And then also, uh, for everyone out there, uh, membership is open for the, the big club as well. Um, if you're not a member of proper LFC, um, you can get in on that. And if you're new to that, make sure to link it to OLSC Delaware as well um, to help us get in on ticketing should we ever be able to buy tickets to games again. Unless, of course, you're watching this in Oman or somewhere else, in which place links to your <laughs> own local supporters club. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we've 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 had a a, a fun week here at, um, in in Delaware because we did have a chance to do an outdoor celebration, uh, socially distant and masked up and all of that uh, last last weekend um, to celebrate being champions. Uh, so we've been champions for another week now, and um, what one one kind of maybe place to start is uh, we're actually, I think, what, 364 days away from the start of last season, um, which, which it seems like even longer than that. I think it kicked off on August 9th against Norwich. Um, so um, that, that, that one's for Tucker, who's always looking for LFC history uh, items. <laughs> so, Nabs, again, th thanks so much for, for coming on to join us. Um, what, let, let's start, as we usually do, with what, how, how did you become a Liverpool supporter in the first place? Oh, man. That's, that's a story that started about 50 years ago. Um, <laughs> I, actually, it, so, my, so I, used to, I was born and brought up in London, and I had an uncle who was, um, who was uh, a doctor in Liverpool. So he studied medicine in Liverpool and was a doctor there. And... Um, uh, sort of being sort of expats in London, we used to have to go to Heathrow all the time to pick relatives or family or whoever from Heathrow and, and then, you know, take them take them home to stay with us or whatever. So one day my parents said, we've got to go to the airport. And I was like, oh, God, not again. Uh, and they took us to the airport. And um, instead of collecting people, we were actually getting on a plane to Manchester where my uncle picked us up. And on the car ride from Manchester to Liverpool he was listening to the radio 
and he was screaming and shouting and listening to this, whatever was going on, on the radio, and he was going absolutely crazy. And I thought, I don't know what, what it, this is, but it is exciting, and I want to be part of this. I was about five, five at the time. I just thought, whatever it is, I want to be part of it. Um, and actually, I never even asked. He could, could have been a sporting Everton. But anyway, he was listening to the radio. He was listening to football. I assume it was Liverpool. And after that, I was, I was hooked. I said, right, I'm a, I'm a Liverpool fan. So, when so, was it? When was it? Yeah. Uh, it was about 1975. Wow. Okay. So back in the days when there wasn't televised football, everything was on the radio. Yeah. Right. So, so but, much... uh, at that. Go ahead. Sorry. Go yeah, ahead. at that age, you know, I didn't even know what football was. It was just I'm uh, whatever he's supporting or whatever he's. Whatever he's so passionately excited about, that's what I'm going to do. So that's why I just chose Liverpool from that. Luckily, I chose yeah. <laughs> a good team. It was a good time to get on board. Yeah, exactly. So, so when you think back to that era, what, what's your sort of favourite memory? I, I, well, I, when was the first time you had a chance to actually see the see Liverpool play? Um, I guess it would have been about nineteen. 80, um, because not long after we moved to the Middle East and um, um, when my brother was born, we moved back to London and that was the first time I actually got involved or yeah, actively started supporting Liverpool, watching games. So uh, you probably don't have it in, um, in America, but we used to have match of the day and the big match. Mm-hmm. So today, last time, You'd watch all the previews. You'd watch two World War Two black and white movies, and then you'd watch the results. Then you'd wait until about ten o'clock at night. And then you'd watch all the highlights. Um, so that's when I started and collecting Panini stickers. So, you know, uh, Kenny Dalglish and Terry McDermott. And because of my frizzy hair, everyone used to think <laughs> that was Terry McDermott. <laughs> I look nothing like him. I just had curly hair. Um, so that's when I really started supporting Liverpool. But I think I think the first match I ever watched live was uh, Liverpool Real Madrid uh, European Cup final, nineteen eighty one. Oh wow! Okay. Right. So I was at yeah. that day. again. It's it's crazy that back in those days, you, you we just didn't have live football. So mm. you, you had to watch only highlights on the BBC or ITV, or you had to wait for an FA Cup final or a you know, the World Cup or something. Otherwise, you didn't get live football. Yeah. Seems crazy now, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. So, I, so I, I have some... I was at that game, the uh, the 81 European Cup final. D- you t- were in... Tickets were really hard. Paris. In Paris, yeah, 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 yeah. Tickets were really hard to come by, is my record. Wow. Oh, sorry. When I say I, I, that was on TV, I didn't... I was actually in Bahrain. Oh, okay. Um, Watching it from Saudi TV, right. <laughs> I wasn't at the game. <laughs> that was the first time I'd actually watched a live Liverpool game, oh, okay. Um, okay. and it was one of those where, in the you know, in the old days, you had to you had to cheat, turn the antenna, and every time it every time the TV went out of focus, you had to retune the antenna. So that's what I was doing, watching Liverpool win uh, in eight, in eighty one, not in Paris, not like you, Paul. I, I, so I've, I've talked about it before. I say it wasn't it wasn't the very best experience. It, it, it was not uh, for lots of reasons, but 
I, I digress. Um, so, I don't think it was even a good game, was it? Oh, no. One was it? A good, it wasn't a good game, was it? No. Uh, I think Real Madrid played pretty defensively, and we found it hard to break them down. Um, and uh, I, yeah, we scored in the eighty-third minute. Um, so, so my my good memory yeah. as being at the end, they scored in, and because of the shape of Parc de Prince, like the distance between the, the the goal and the the seating, it feels like it's about a hundred yards. So he, he actually, yeah. the Kennedy ran towards yeah. the goal end. Um, um, yes. Anyway, we digress. Oh, so um, yeah. in, in terms of kind of then more modern experiences of, of watching Liverpool, what, what are some of the highlights there? Uh, uh, I guess the only highlight is, is Istanbul. I mean, I can't, you know, I, I think that's the one that everyone would be most interested in. I, I went to Istanbul, but actually getting to Istanbul was probably the craziest story ever. Um <laughs> I was living in Bahrain at the time and working for an airline. And um, it was a season where we were doing pretty poorly in the league. But for some reason, we were doing well in the in the Champions League. I mean, mm-hmm. everyone knows the story. But um, so when I, when I was living in London, I used to live uh, near Chelsea, uh, off Sloan Square. If you're from London, you'll know where it is. So um, my cousin, who lived in Chelsea, was a Chelsea fan, and he lived there. And, he called me up and just said, listen, I got two tickets for the semi-final against Liverpool. If you want, you can have the second one. So <laughs> I, I mentioned that I worked for an airline. I flew in overnight, landed in the morning, went to the game, flew back overnight and was in work the next day. <laughs> I just thought, we're never going to get to another semi-final, so I've got to make this game. So I went to the semi-final. Um, and then we got to the final. And then when we got to the final, I was like, I've got to get, I've got to go to the final. I've got to find a way of getting tickets. And so I started messaging everyone. I need a ticket. I mean, stupid, stupid idea. I just throw everything at the wall to say, I want a ticket. Anyone who's got any leads, let me know. Um, how are you going to get a ticket like that? It's, just, it's, just, it's a dumb idea. But of course, I'll tell you the story because it worked. Um, I had a cousin who worked at the Ministry of Sports in Oman, and he was best friends with a guy called Budgie, um, uh, Alan, uh, I think his name was Burridge, I can't remember his name. Anyway, he used to be a uh, professional footballer in the, in, the, in, the, in the league, and he was good friends with Phil Thompson, who used to be the, uh, you know, used to be Liverpool captain and assistant manager at Liverpool. And Phil Thompson had been given two tickets by Liverpool for the, the final. He didn't want them. He'd sort of broken away from Liverpool after, you know, he got fired. Yeah. So he, he had these two tickets and he'd given them to Burridge. So Burridge, in Oman, had two tickets. So I was, I was calling this poor guy like every three hours trying to get hold of him. He'd gone camping in the desert. And, and was completely incommunicado. And I was like, oh my God, how am I going to get these tickets? So, um, turns out when he finally got back, he sent me a message saying, uh, you can have my tickets, but I don't have them. They're at Liverpool. So, oh. well, how am I, how am I going to get the tickets? So, uh, okay, okay. Uh, uh, I, I can fly there. I can fly there. I'll get to Anfield, get to Anfield. There are two tickets here. They're for me. 
in the name of uh, Burridge, I can't remember his name, is uh, proper name. Uh, they, well, he he has to give them. I'm on. It's like yeah, but they are tickets from Phil Thompson that he was giving to Burridge, and Burridge gave to me. No, you can't take them unless I was like, oh my god, how am I? Okay, I've got two tickets. They're just there. I can't get them. I don't know what I'm going to do. Anyway, um, so I flew back to Bahrain, and I was like, oh, you know what? I've come this far. There's no way I'm giving up now. Um, and I, I don't know if, well, you probably don't know because you're being in America. The, the flights from the UK to Istanbul, every single flight was booked. So um, when you look on the MID, uh, like on the, the airline system, you can see every flight from London to Frankfurt to Frankfurt to Istanbul or via Paris or direct, every single flight was booked. So the only way to get to Istanbul was to fly somewhere like this guy from Oslo. He flew from Norway to New York, New York to Istanbul. <laughs> that was the only way to get a ticket. So I managed to get from uh, Bahrain to Dubai, Dubai to Istanbul. Wow. And on the flight, I was there with about 20 other guys from Dubai Reds, some of whom I knew. And um, I said, okay, well, I'm just going to blister onto this group of guys i'm going to istanbul anyway i'm just going to see if i can get a ticket i'll just see um now it sounds a bit crazy but if you understand how um ticketing allocation goes normally uh the about half the tickets are allocated to people who live in the host country nation right and then the other half quarter goes to sponsors 12.5% go to Liverpool, 12.5% go to Milan. So Liverpool only got allocated 9,000 tickets for this wow. game. Yeah. Milan only got 9,000 tickets for this game. But that meant there were 75% of tickets that were there, possibly up for grabs. I said, hell with it. I'm going to go to Istanbul. I'm going to try my luck. So <laughs> ended up in Istanbul, bumped to two guys in the street. I'm just walking around going... Anyone got tickets? Anyone got spare tickets? Anyone got... Two guys came up. They said, look, we've got three tickets. You can have one if you want. I said, you know, how much? And they said, uh, I don't know, whatever, whatever money they said. I was like, okay, look, I'll give you every single bit of cash I have for the ticket, but it's not going to be that amount. And I ended up giving them Bahraini dinars, UAE <laughs> dirhams, dollars, euros, and pounds. Came up to about 300... Uh, I think it came to about roughly equivalent to 300 euros for 50 euro ticket. But I got this ticket and I ended up at this game. And um, at half time, when we were losing 3-0, after all this effort, my cousin, the Chelsea fan, sent me this message saying, I bet you're glad you went to, that fu- you went to the final. <laughs> like he knew the amount of time and effort I'd, I'd spent trying to get this trying to get there. I bet you so glad you went. I was so, am I allowed to swear? I was very upset and I didn't know what to respond. Um, but about two hours later, I just replied, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I am glad I made that effort. <laughs> so that's probably my uh, biggest story. Almost memorable uh, ever, uh, Liverpool 
by any stretch of, of story, that's pretty uh, pretty good yeah. story. Uh, yeah. That beats your story, Paul. <laughs> Every one of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll stop complaining about the train to uh, Paris. Um, that's, that's, <laughs> I, I meant the Istanbul story in New York. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, yeah, I'll save that for another day. Just getting to Istanbul was half half the story, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, I, I never. You don't even need to talk about the actual game, right? right. Uh, like you, though, Paul. When I was at that final, the ticket that I had was at the end where every single goal was scored, where all the penalties were, right on the corner flag where. Where the first goal was scored, where the corner was taken, yep. I was right on that apex. So I just got to my seat because I don't, I don't know if you know or remember or, or getting to Istanbul, getting to the stadium was such a nightmare. We set off in the afternoon. The game kicked off at nine. We set off at like four, and I only went along because I was with these guys, <clears throat> and I thought, well, I'm, I'm going to stick with them. They're all drinking and drunk and everything, and I just so I'll I'll stick with them. Um, we're going like five hours early. Five hours early was not early enough. Yeah. We we got stuck in traffic. We had to ditch the bus and walk three miles across fields to get to the stadium. Just got to the seat in time to see the first goal. So I, I arrived like after kickoff. Yeah. Like thirty seconds after kickoff. I was complete nightmare getting there and getting back from the stadium. I've heard the stories about it. Like, I know that there, some people drove the whole way and like, or like drove most of the way. And then, um, you know, stories of people like stuck in the traffic, getting to the stadium, like, you know, somebody's sitting in the trunk and they got a case of beer, you know, like I've, 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 I've heard of, I've heard of all that, but yeah, it's, I guess the stadium's outside the city, like a decent way outside the city. So it's kind of like everybody flooding on the same road or something. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so, but it, it, so if, if they had a link, like a, it, it wasn't, it wasn't like it was 50 miles away. It was only, well, I couldn't tell you exactly how many miles away, but it was just that they, they had a single road going to the stadium and it was only a road. There was no trains or anything, no alternative. And it was just that one road. So mm. everyone was on that road going, and it was just a parking lot going up to the, going up to the stadium. Yeah. So, so I guess in 2021. We'll anyway, we'll, we'll I, I don't know if that was my worst experience at a football game, but it was, it was definitely a memorable. One. <laughs> so, so I was going to say, in I guess in 2021, we might have to think about uh, how the traveling back and forth to Ataturk Stadium, given that's where the Champions League final is next year. Yeah. Um, so again. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Actually, six hours early. That's my advice. (laughs) Six hours. Hopefully, they've done something with the transport. Um, So, so I am reminded actually, there's a movie called One Night in Istanbul. That if you've ever come across it, seen it, um, it, it, it's worth looking up. But you know, I think Nabs, you could probably do a sequel or something to kind of. It it seems to have as many ins and outs as the plot of One Night in Istanbul. Yeah. So, so Nabs, tell, tell us about uh, your supporters club. Um, um, I, and I know because if you've listened to the Anfield Rap show that you were on yesterday, that you've been involved in the creation of a couple, at least supporters clubs along the way. Um, so tell us yeah, about yeah, yeah. it. So, yeah. yeah, so the so after going with Dubai Reds in 
2005 to um, to Istanbul, um, I decided to set up Bahrain Reds. So I've been doing, it, you know, it, it, again, it sounds a bit weird. Ever, ever since I left the UK in 98, I've been able to watch every single Liverpool game live. Uh, but if you're in the UK, you can't see all Liverpool games live. Suddenly, if you leave the UK, you can see Liverpool games. So I managed to see almost every game live. And I'd go to the same sort of sports bar and, you know, I'd, I'd meet the same sort of group of people. And I just said, right, well, why don't we sort of organize? Anyway, it's, it's obvious. Organize everyone, start getting everyone together and create behind Reds. And um, I applied to Liverpool at the time and it was a girl called, a lady called Julie Elder who used to be uh, Jane's boss, you know, Jane Kavanagh or Jane Flipson. So um, applied back in 2005, six, seven time frame, and um, they did not approve any more official Liverpool supporters groups between 2000, I think Dubai Reds was the last one they approved until 2012. So it was a period of seven years where they didn't approve any more official supporters clubs. Anyway, I had Bahrain Reds up to about... Um, you know, 500, 500 in the group. And then um, I left Bahrain and moved to um, I moved to Oman. Yeah, moved to Oman. Uh, sorry, I, I, I can't quite remember the order of things because I've moved country. What, there was one period of seven months where I moved country 11 times. 11 oh, countries in seven... Sorry, was it seven countries in 11 months? So, okay. You know, so I've lived in quite a few countries, but uh, at that time I moved to Oman, and uh, then I said, right, well, I'm going to start all over again, start from scratch, start Oman Muscat Reds at the time, it was just called Muscat Reds, set up Muscat Reds, got that going, and then I moved to Qatar in uh, 2012, and set up Qatar Reds. Um, So those are the three that I helped set up directly. And then I've helped uh, Kenya Reds, if you know Mitesh and all the guys from Kenya Reds. Um, yeah. So when they were looking to start up, they contacted me and I helped them through, you know, advise them through the whole process, having done it three times, <laughs> helped them through the process. And uh, currently I'm helping Jordan. Okay. So I, I went, so I, I do public speaking, motivational speaking, and I, I was, ta- I was, um, hired to do a speech in uh, Jordan for uh, banking, some sort of banking event. And um, it was the same time as Liverpool Red Star Belgrade. So I was on Facebook trying to find a group in, 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 in Amman, Jordan. Couldn't find one. So I just messaged all the Liverpool fans in Jordan and said, listen, I'm setting up for Jordan Reds. I'll be in this hotel to watch this game. Five guys turned up and I said, right, You've got to do this. You've got to do that. You've got to do that. I'm leaving the country tomorrow uh, and left, but stayed in touch with these guys by um, WhatsApp and just advised them, all, you know, what to do and everything. And, and fingers crossed, they're going to be uh, made official in the next uh, round of of um, of uh, clubs that are made official. Nice. That's great. There's quite a few there. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Wow. Huh. So, so, but now you, you're back in Oman, right? Um, what, yep, I'm back in Oman. What, what does, uh, what does a, a, a pre-COVID match day look like in Oman? Because I know you're watching games at some ridiculous time, right? Yeah. 
no, not well. You say ridiculous. It's all relative, right? I mean, you're probably watching it. Like, I mean, I, I remember watching games in San Diego at like four a.m. So <laughs> seven seven o'clock has been our earliest. I, 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 is it? Um, I remember actually watching one in Tampa, Liverpool, Newcastle, in a British pub in Tampa, uh, no, in Miami, Florida. And it was like 7 a.m. It was like a, they gave a breakfast and a pint or something yeah. like that. They, they had some kind of deal. But um, yeah, we, we so some, I think most of our so Champions League games, they end quite late. Those games will end like 2 a.m. So those are quite difficult because then you've got work the next morning right <clears throat> so it's kind of difficult to get a big gathering together but when you've got such a important Champions League game like the Barcelona game Liverpool Barcelona you you still end up with quite a few people watching the game uh, and so what we do is we have um we have a, a hotel the Hyatt Grand Hyatt Hotel they um have a sports bar that has a special area dedicated to Liverpool uh, paid for by Standard Chartered, and uh, mm. we we meet there for every Liverpool game. And the, yeah, we 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 got a great deal with the Hyatt. They give us every time Liverpool play, they give us one free drink for any any person who's who's an Oman Red card card carrying member of Oman Red, and that's what we do. But we also have a non-alcoholic venue because there are lots of um, fans here who don't want to be around alcohol yeah. I mean I don't personally drink but I don't mind going to sports bar but some will you know would rather not be in a bar yeah. so we have a shisha we have a shisha designated shisha cafe where everyone meets to watch uh, the game in, in a non-alcoholic uh, venue and, and how, it's how big is um, Oman Reds um it currently, I'd say it's about seven hundred. But the, the, the we have a big we have a an issue here where a lot of the fans are expats, so they're here on two year contracts, and so they're very transient. People come in, people go out, and um, so that number has been steadily increasing uh, because of club and its success. But uh, there's a bit of churn every season. There's people. New people coming in, old people going out. So, but I'd say it's about um, over five hundred anyway. Wow, that's mm. that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It feels like um, with uh, COVID, then we'll all experience some churn of some description. Right? Although there's all the success, right? kind of we already know that we've got people who've kind of moved away from the area uh, for lots of reasons um, during the the, the pandemic. Um, so uh, f final question in terms of um, kind of you and kind of where you're up to, who, who for you is kind of the embodiment of, of Liverpool football club, which, which player or potentially manager, but um, let's start with uh, mm -hmm. player. I was going to say there's, there's only one person, right? It's uh, Jurgen Klopp. <laughs> well, I kind of got that from some of the things I'd heard you say. So yeah. 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 I, so I, I guess it was good. I guess well, so let me repeat sort of some of the things that I said on the was it on the Anfield rap? Could have been. I think you said something yeah. on the LFC TV show as well, actually. Oh, it's LFC TV, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so everyone, uh, everyone sort of 
focuses on the surface. They talk about, you know, his, uh, his hugging and his, you know, his emotional and da 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 da. But they, they sort of uh, miss the deeper, uh, the deeper parts of the uh, character or personality, like his intelligence. So, as a as a small example, um, every time he answers a media question, pause and think, how would I answer that question? How would Mourinho answer that question? How would Brendan Rodgers answer that question? And you can, personally, I think, well, immediately, Mourinho would be combative and he'd be, and he'd be creating a media story. Brendan Rodgers would be this sort of flat monotone answer that you, you get sort of vanilla answers and, and doesn't really, Klopp gives these answers and even, even though I'd, I'd stop and say, how would I answer? Every answer that I come up with, even stopping to think about it, what agenda do I want to promote? What's the message? Do I want to answer this directly? Do I want to answer obliquely? Do I, even when I stop and think about how to answer, he still, Klopp, still comes up with an answer that far surpasses any answer that I could come up with as a marketing PR professional. And he's done it off the bat, automatically, and you think, God, the guy is such a, a genius, yeah. and it's cloaked by this um, this personality where you can't, you, you you don't even realize how how good he is. Yeah. So people focus on on the surface and they they don't really see the depth of him. But when you talk to people, let's say, like uh, when you hear someone like John Henry or Billy Hogan or Peter Moore, when they talk about him, they always talk about his intelligence. Yeah, you, I don't know if you've noticed that. To always talk about how intelligent he is. Um, mm -hmm. Was it Gordon, the the uh, who's the I, chairman of Liverpool, uh, said when he he sat when they sat and interviewed Klopp, the immediate thought they the immediate you know they're sort of trying to do a, their due diligence on Klopp as a person, and they said um, they came out of the meeting said that guy could be run could be a CEO of any one of our companies. Yeah. He can talk in intelligently about all types of business aspects. Um, and so what, what I was saying was, <clears throat> so in aviation, when, you, when, you're, when you're trying to become a captain, when you're doing your, when you're, when you're doing your uh, training to be a captain, some of the things that they'll do is they'll show you uh, clips of Jean-Luc Picard from Star Trek, The New Generation. They'll show uh, Patrick... Stewart and how he commands the cockpit or the, the bridge of the Enterprise, right? Yeah. And they'll say, you know, you, you look at how Jean-Luc Picard um, commands his bridge. The, that's the sort of um, trait that you should be replicating in the, on the, in the cockpit of your aircraft if you're going to be a captain. I'm sure people will be taking clips of Klopp and using those as management clips on how to deal with the media, how to be, you know, how to deal with a crisis, how to deal with this. How to, and they'll be using Klopp as an example of how intelligent and brilliant this guy is in management. Yeah, yeah. We, we had... Uh, so, who's the one person? Klopp. We, we actually had Simon <laughs> Hughes. I don't know if you know him on uh, an episode 
probably a couple of months ago now. Simon's works for the Athletic. He's written a couple of articles. And one of the things he he's met Klopp on a number of occasions, um, and and he was he said exactly the same thing that this guy could be a CEO of any kind of business. Um, it just so happens, in, fortunately, he happens to be effectively the CEO of ours. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Wonderful answer. Love it. Um, so we're going to close out with a few topics that came up this week. Um, you know, uh, we'll, we'll court some controversy, I'm sure. But uh, the, the kit release seemed to get a lot of attention. Uh, I'm going to go ask Nabs first as our guest what, what, what your perspective is on kind of, uh, well, all the kind of, the, the, there was a lot going on in terms of how many um, kind of videos and and people wearing interesting people wearing the shirt going on. What 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 do you make of it all? Um, I'm waiting to actually see a shirt or touch a shirt. So they've they've um, um, until I see or feel a shirt, I'm not going to really because people are talking about the difference between the vapor and the and the stadium shirt and how poor the quality is of the stadium shirt and it's forcing people to buy the. You know, instead of buying a seventy-pound shirt, which is such poor quality, you don't want it. Forcing people to buy the hundred-pound shirt, or whatever it is in dollars, yeah. uh, because it's it's got the embroidered, you know, the embroidered artifacts. It's got the you know better material. And today, I've, I was hearing that the the ninety-six on the uh, on the collar on the stadium shirt is um, an ironed-on. Uh, Basically, an ironed on 96 of the flames, whereas the and it's and it's flaking off. So I, I don't know until I see. Yeah, I, I, so I think... I'm not going to pass any judgment, but I am worried, and I won't order until I see one against the other or touch one against the other. Um, I, I think that's a very healthy perspective. Yeah. yeah. So what do you make of it, Tim? I know you're a big official. But it's model. not good. Go ahead, Nab. Sorry. Sorry, I think there's a time lag between uh, yeah. <laughs> big time lag between Oman and uh, Madison. <laughs> sorry, Delaware. Yeah. Um, sorry, you were you were asking Tim something. Oh, I was getting Tim's perspective on uh, on the, what he thinks of the shirts. T Tim has has probably uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm on a glass house here, but Tim has a lot of replica shirts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, I've got a lot. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm on board with Nabs in terms of I I want to touch it. Um, they, it was a, a very tempting to order it like that first morning it was available. Um, but there's a few reasons. One of them is the quality issue, which wasn't there was nothing made of until the day it came out. And I think in, in US dollars, just a shirt with no badges or patches or anything added to it. Um, I think the stadium is $90 US yeah. and the, uh, the vapor is $165 US. Yeah. So that's a pretty big leap for a t-shirt in my estimation. <laughs> but the other thing that uh, to me is, I wasn't a huge fan when this past season, they made the Premier League patch instead of being the nice flocked soft one, it, it was just kind of like an iron on vinyl. Um, wasn't a huge fan of that. And now it looks like that's gonna be on both sleeves of the new shirt. 
which kind of has, you know, gives me pause. So I, I kind of had the thought, maybe I won't order with the patches, but then the only reason I would order a shirt this year is to have the Premier League Champions patch. So it's, uh, it's an interesting situation. Um, I'm hoping that some local stores here might actually have them for sale that you could touch it, or otherwise I'll just be waiting for someone with less self-control than me to have ordered one that I can touch theirs and... <laughs> <laughs> So the, the, the other, I thought it was kind of clever. Um, so they, uh, they've released all these unofficial images of what these shirts are going to be like. These images have been online for months. Um, and I may be assigning too much credit to them, but I don't think so. It's an easy way to get market, um, to do market research, release, um, release images of, of shirts, see what the feedback is like, say, no, no, these are, these are artist renditions by, uh, you know, private people. This is not an official, and then see what people say, and then, you know, build up the, you know, tweak your final product offering. Um, this particular shirt, I mean, I, I was asked personally what I thought about it by LFC, and I said, I, I don't particularly care because I'm going to buy it anyway, but I think the white green, um, the white green trim, is such a bad reminder of our worst days. Apart from Hodgson, our worst days of the 90s, right? So why would you do that? Like New Balance has just done this, the, the pinstripe yellow, which is a great reminder of 84, and you've just reminded us of Grimsness and 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 why it's such a stupid. Anyway, but apart from that. Uh, you know, the, the, there's very little you can do, right? It's, it's the, the shade of red, the Pantone or the Rowl of red, like uh, is going to be five inch in red or, you know, yep. comic book red or, you know, Grenadier Guards red, whatever red you choose. That's the, I mean, that's possibly the biggest, um, one of the biggest choices you can make as, as, a, as, a, as a manufacturer. Um, and everything else is just minor details, right? Like, what, are you going to have a scallop or Peter Pan neck or a V-neck or, like, you know, you don't have too much flexibility in, in how you design a Liverpool shirt, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I, I, I think there have been, there generally, none of the red shirts have been terrible, have they? You know, like, even from Reebok and whoever else. Um, mm. But I, I actually, uh, so as one of the people who went out and ordered, and I'm now a buyer's remorse uh, because I keep seeing all these things. I, I bought the vapor version with all the added on bits. And if my wife's listening to this, I'm not going to say how much it cost. But honestly, <laughs> for for a, a football shirt, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it's ridiculous. My friend in Liverpool went to the store, so he's seen the thing in person, and he said the red is okay, but there's there's way more green on it than there ought to be sorry, teal, than the there ought to be. So it, it's, it's more than that shirt that it was copied after, he said. It's like, there's, anyway, so, um, Sean, what's your take on the shirt? Uh, I don't have, I don't know. I guess it's it's grown on me a little bit seeing since it's been released, which isn't a surprise. I kind of figured that would happen. Um, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait to order one until I feel like yeah. pressured for some reason to get it. Um, I don't know 
you know, I, I, I don't know what size to get. I don't know what version to get, like whether it's worth paying the money. I'm not going to spend that kind of money until I have a better idea. Um, but I, I, for me personally, I think the most interesting thing, and I share this with you guys about the shirt release, is that the day of the shirt release, LeBron James comes walking out wearing the, wearing the kit. And I, I, I thought to myself, like, yeah, that's, that's got to be somewhat planned, right? I mean, like, that, that's going to sell enough shirts probably to, to make you know both Nike and Liverpool a good chunk of money um but it was it was <laughs> interesting one of the in terms of like just like the because I, I I feel like he hasn't done that very much in the past but he is a Nike athlete so like that probably did play a part in him doing that yeah he's a uh, of the club as well I think so, well he's a part owner of the club but so I've found it interesting over the years that I feel like he hasn't really promoted the club as much as I would have thought and I, I, I never really thought that the Nike thing would have had much to do with it, but the day they released this kid, he comes so walking out. Part of the, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but part of, part of the contract uh, dispute with um, New Balance, they, they had a clause where they could match any competing offer, and they ended up going to the High Court in the UK over this decision to move from New Balance to Nike. And one of the things they said was, New Balance isn't able to match the Nike offer because Nike is going to have brand ambassadors such as LeBron James and right. uh, Williams or I, I forget all the names. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Uh, the point is LeBron James is a Nike athlete, so he never promoted, uh, like if you ever saw LeBron James with a shirt, it was always the back of the shirt. Mm -hmm. yeah. He only ever wore Liverpool shirts and you see the back, never the front, right? And he never actively promoted. And you, said, you mentioned um, he's a part owner. He's a 5% uh, shareholder of FSG, which obviously mm -hmm. is 100% owner of Liverpool. Mm -hmm. So in, until this point, he was never able to actively promote the front of the shirt. He was only able to, Crazy. you know, he's, he's made limited social media mentions of Liverpool, but only, you know. Yeah. But now he's, he's, he's totally in because he's, not only a part owner of Liverpool, but he's also contracted by Nike to promote the shirt. Yep. I've always found it interesting that that was so underplayed. You know, like maybe the Nike thing maybe was a big part of it, but I always thought like he's LeBron James is one of the biggest, you know, marketing tools you could use. And he's a part owner of the club. Why don't they do that more? But it, so I guess maybe it was partially the Nike, the, the Nike thing. Yeah. So we thinking that uh, Tiger Woods is going to show up in a Nike shirt on uh on Sunday for in the USPGA for the golf fans out there. I mean, he does wear red game. on Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I think it's probably uh, time to wrap it up. There's lots of other things we could have talked about. Jamal Lewis, Sean spat with a, a, a subscribe <laughs> rap on Varan, which we may end with, but I'm going to go around and use close with our usual one thing, the most interesting, a very interesting thing you, you saw or discovered about Liverpool this week. Uh, and Nabs is our guest. We'll, we'll, we'll turn it over to you. So the most uh, interesting thing that happened this week for me in terms of Liverpool was, um, so for those of you who don't know, every, since this COVID thing happened, we've been having uh, weekly meetings uh, with the official supporters clubs around the world with Liverpool. And every week we'll, have, we'll discuss issues that are relevant to the running of fan clubs around the world, or we'll have a guest uh, like Ian Raj or whoever. Anyway, this particular week we had the LFC Foundation promoting their new um, 
their new drive, their new charity drive uh, next in a month's time. And um, randomly, in the middle of this uh, Zoom call, uh, John Henry turned up and uh, started talking to us. So we actually got 10 minutes audience with the uh, owner of Liverpool. So that was probably the most interesting thing to have, the interesting thing to happen this yeah. week. I, I actually posted it in our Facebook group with a like, well, just an average Wednesday, you know, the <laughs> picture of me and you were in the picture actually as well, Nabs. <laughs> So, Sean, what's your um, takeaway from the week, apart from Varane being David Luiz for an hour and a half? Oh, well, yeah. So it was, it was, uh, it was a comment about uh, people kind of jumping all over Varane, I guess, because he had a terrible game. But um, you know, so it. I guess, I guess just the fact that we're like in the middle of, of transfer nonsense season now, you know, it's a week later. Um, there's so many stories flying around. Um, and it's like, you know, I, you know, who knows what to believe. We've been linked to Jamal Lewis, Sar, both seem to be pretty common. And then the Tiago thing keeps kind of hanging around. The latest I've seen on the Tiago was um, that like Byron, Byron's not going to agree to do anything until champions leagues over. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess it's, 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 um, you know, the kit release was, was a big thing that was interesting. Um, I guess it, it, you know, again, it's not surprising, but it does sort of look a lot better to me now, um, seeing it on people and all that. Um, you know, and I, I don't want to take anybody else's ideas, but I guess just that, that was the biggest thing to me is just seeing all this transfer nonsense and people getting worked up over it this week. And, um, you know, I, I find it kind of all interesting, but I don't get upset about it one way or the other. You know, I trust Edwards and Klopp to make good decisions, and um, so anyway, that's my answer, not answer. <laughs> so, so I guess Jamal Lewis is more than a rumor, though, because it's been written about by a couple of really respected Liverpool journalists. Yeah, that feels much more likely to happen than any of the other transfers. Yeah, and what what I read. I guess the the thing that I that I read that stuck out the most is that apparently he's he really wants to make the move, right? Like he's personally pushing for the move, yeah. so that's that's usually you know a positive sign in the direction it might happen, but you know who, who knows? We'll see. What, one thing about, uh, to to add actually is Neil Atkinson didn't seem very high on signing Jamal Lewis because I don't think his numbers are great. Um, he had, he had a show, they had a video show, which I only listened to. So I didn't see the stats, but uh, everyone who kind of looked at the stats was like, Oh yeah. But I am reminded of what Andrew Beasley said was Andrew Beasley told us about Andy Robertson. The yeah. Stats he had didn't, didn't show Robertson to be like the kind of player Liverpool wants to sign, but obviously the stats that our stats guys had right. were, were far more positive about Robertson than, than what Andrew Beasley could see. And what I read about Lewis is that um, this year they sort of didn't allow him to attack as much as he did last year in the championship because they didn't want to be as aggressive and they allowed the other fullback to attack more. And that, that could be something that Liverpool liked to see that, that he was able to sort of change his style of play and learn. Um, But I, the other thing I've heard is that his, his numbers match up pretty closely to what 
to, to where Robert Robertson's what was before we bought him. Okay. Not not like he's you know, okay. I don't think anybody should expect him to be nearly the player Robert Bravo is. <laughs> but um, you know, if we get him or not. But um, I guess the thing with him that I wonder about is like, is he gonna be happy in a year or two still being a backup? You know, um playing he, the champions of everything? I don't it, know. Okay. Maybe, maybe he, yeah, maybe he will. I, you know, and maybe we work him into the team. But I guess that's been the one, uh, you know, question about him that okay. that makes sense to me is that maybe he wants to start sooner than he'll be able to for us. So, you know, who knows? We'll see. So, Tim, what what have you got this week? What have you seen? So, I, I was going to mention lots of rumors about uh, Divock Origi going to Villa, um, but since we've talked about transfers so much. I'm going to seed my time and tell everyone that if you want to be happy about Liverpool Football Club, you absolutely must go to Instagram and follow the Oman Reds. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, they post a video from beneath the screen of them watching the match at the Hyatt. And every time there's a goal, it's just, it's joy on a screen. Just people <laughs> together and shaking their fists in the air. It's literally the best coming from the, the social media guy of LLC Delaware. Follow Oman Reds. Uh, once the matches start back up, it is. That's, too, that's, that's the result of too many Red Bulls. <laughs> <laughs> I did go watch those when Tim was they, they they are fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad somebody's enjoying our enjoyment. <laughs> it's pure joy. You, I, you can't be not happy when you watch that. Yeah. And and you know what? That's exactly why I set up the the fan club because you watch again. I watch. I've been watching games. You know, every, I've watched nearly every single game since '98, and um, every time I watch it with people, or with Liverpool fans, I enjoy the game more. And we mm-hmm. feed off each other, right? Yeah, yeah. So, <clears throat> if 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 you're not part of a fan club, if you're not part of Delaware Red, you should join your local supporters club and go and watch the game with other reds because you will enjoy the game 10 times more and yeah. you may even jump around on screen like we do <laughs> <laughs> so i can't i can't better that so i'm just going to say nabs thank you so much it's been a pleasure to have you on um we just I, i'm actually what i'm going to do as soon as this is uploaded is go watch it again um because I, I your stories were a lot of fun and <laughs> Again, totally enjoyed having you. Thanks, John. Thanks, Tim. Um, There ends another edition of the LFC Delaware podcast.